We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Setting the pace, he's no stranger to you guys because he is the voice of the Pacers for the television broadcast. The one and only, the great Chris Sanary. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, glad to be with you guys in my hotel room here in Milwaukee. And uh, it is warmer in Milwaukee than it was in Indianapolis when we left. So that, <laughs> that that's a win in my book. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's nice to hear that the weather's decent. I'll be there joining you tomorrow. I'll be at the game, so that'll be fun. It's my first road game, I think, watching the Pacers, so that'll be a nice experience for me. But uh, let's just jump into it. Obviously, there's a lot of injuries right now at this Pacers team. Matherin and Duarte have already been ruled out for the Bucks game. What are your thoughts on all the injuries right now, and how serious are they? Well, I, I mean, I think, you know, if you look at T.J. McConnell and, and Miles Turner, they were out with sore backs. They they both missed uh, the two games in Detroit. Miles has been, you know, having an issue with that uh, throughout the year. He missed some games earlier in the year. So it just made more sense to, uh, to protect him and not play him in, in that situation. T.J. is one of those guys, too. I think Rick Carlisle said it. He's always got something because he's, you know, diving into the first row of the seats. He's on the floor, those types of things. And Tyrese Halliburton had uh, in that overtime win against Houston on the final play of the game that he missed the shot and went to overtime. He fell awkwardly on his knee. He was able to play through overtime. You know, you got a lot of adrenaline. Uh, but but then when he came back the next day prior to us leaving, I think they just felt that it was best to, you know, keep him off that. So you're at that time of year. You, you'd like to have more guys healthy. It does fit to the mindset of what the Pacers are trying to do. They're trying to analyze what they have, trying to see what some of these young players can do, uh, see what a guy like Jordan Wara 
uh, can do. And and he's been very impressive, uh, especially in the last seven or eight games when he scored in double figures, either as a starter or as a bench player. So, uh, you know, it's that time of year. Uh, there's there's still a chance uh, as far as uh, a play-in opportunity is concerned. Basically, it's Toronto, Washington, uh, Chicago, and Indiana all in that mix. Uh, so it'll just be interesting to see. But you want to make sure guys are healthy. I mean, you saw what happened to Chris Dorte last year when he missed so much time with that ankle. And then it still affected him a little bit this year. And then he sprained it the other night. So you want to be very protective uh, of your of your players. You know that's when we were doing the game. The the when when Benedict Matherin sprained his ankle, his ankle touched the ground. I mean that's how bad it was. It uh, it was one of those guys when when they showed the replay. I just I just looked away. I didn't I didn't even <laughs> want to see it. So uh, but I, I've heard his rehab has gone very very well. He's a guy that's going to get after it because he doesn't want to miss games. But at the same point, it is up to the team to protect him uh, because sometimes a player can be uh, his own worst enemy. And you, you know Matherin wants to be out there. He had played in every single game prior to you know that ankle injury. But when you talked about how Chris Duarte dealt with that ankle injury and how long it lasted, there's just about three weeks left in the season, roughly 13 games left. Do you think the Pacers elect to put Matherin on the shelf for the rest of the season? Or do you think they say, hey, you know what, last couple of games, maybe you want to see if he can go. What's the best move for the Pacers to take here? Well, I would think I, th I think Benedict wants to play. And uh, it, 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 from that standpoint, I mean, I think he will I think he will come back and play. I can't tell you at what point. I mean, we just you know, I think now we're in a game to game type situation. Uh, that they'll keep him sidelined. I mean, remember, Duarte missed 21 games with a sprained ankle earlier in the year. He had the toe situation last year that even impacted him into the summer um, as, as far as that is concerned. So, But I, I tend to believe that Matherin will be back at some point. I mean, that's just his M.O. I can't see him not playing the remainder of the year. But again, we'll just have to see how he reacts uh, to the rehab that he's going through. You mentioned it a little bit earlier, talking about Jordan Moore and the, and the streak he's been on, scoring in double digits seven of the last eight games. I'm curious your thoughts on that trade overall, bringing in George Hill, and taking a flyer on a guy like Jordan Moore and what you've seen so far from him and what you like. Yeah, I think the one thing, you know, just having watched him off and on the last couple of years prior to coming to the Pacers, I knew he was a good three-point shooter. Uh, if I remember the last time we were here in Milwaukee at Pfizer Forum, he came off the bench and hit four threes. That was the game, if you remember, the Pacers played without Halliburton, had the big lead in the first half. Giannis did not play. And then the Bucs made a huge second half run that, ironically, it was Jordan Wara and it was George Hill. I mean, George Hill played a huge role in that comeback uh, for Milwaukee. So I think that was a very important trade for the Pacers because it gives you another young player that you can see what he's all about. He's under contract for next year. And he's a better passer and a better rebounder and a better driver than I thought he was. I thought maybe he was just a standstill, you know, catch and shoot three point shooter. But uh, I think he does a lot of other good things. And I, I've always had a soft spot for George Hill. I'm, I'm glad to see him back in a Pacers uniform. I think he, along with James Johnson, can help a lot of these young guys navigate what they're going through. And also, as Rick Carlisle has said, 
George was a part of the last Pacers, I want to say, really, really good teams because he was a part of two teams that went to the Final Four in the NBA. They played twice in the Eastern Conference Finals. So he knows what success looks like in a Pacers uniform, and I think he can share that uh, with the players that are on this roster. I love how much pride George Hill takes on putting that jersey back on. But for all fans, it's very nostalgic because he does connect you to what felt like the good old days of, you know, 10 plus years ago. So it's been awesome to see him back. But, you know, with unfortunate injuries comes potential opportunities for others. Who would you like to see a bit more down the stretch for the remaining 13 games to potentially get a bigger opportunity to step up? Well, I think we've seen it a little bit with Miles out, and it will be interesting to see see how it plays out with Miles, you know, coming back. Um, and that would be the tandem of Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith. I mean, you know, Jalen on on Saturday night had a 20.9 rebound game and Isaiah Jackson had a double-double. Their numbers weren't quite the same in that Monday rematch with Detroit. Now, on one hand, I'll give Detroit a lot of credit. I am sure that Dwayne Casey was not happy at all with his young big men, really how they got worked and how they got outplayed by the Pacers big men in that first game. So those guys came out and I thought played at a different level. Wiseman, Duran, uh, they they were without um, uh, Bagley. So he didn't play. But I, I just thought that Detroit played at a higher level than they did on that Saturday night. But I think those two guys are, are two guys to watch. And we saw them play a little bit together um, as a four and a five. I mean, Jalen started the year as the starting four. Then the Pacers sort of switched and went to Aaron Neesmith. Um, and, and so how they work with those two guys uh, the remainder of the year, I think will be interesting to watch. Yeah, we just did a mailbag podcast uh, the last two episodes. And one of the questions we got was, you know, who has impressed you the most this season? And I, I'm kind of curious that question for you because I'm me and Fachi, you know, we have our answers there. And I was asking like, you know, most, uh, most impressive and the most disappointing, but I'm just curious out of this year's team, who's probably been the most impressive pacer to you? Well, I mean, you could start with Halliburton from the standpoint that we see how valuable he is, right? I mean, this this is a guy that I say he's like the Pied Piper, and I think he's been huge for his current team and teammates. I think he will be huge in the future. I think there are going to be players that are going to want to play with him. All you have to do is look at a guy that is averaging 10-plus assists per game, uh, he'll start a game out, and he may have two baskets and nine assists. Guys want to play with that. And the other guy, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I think Miles Turner's had a terrific year. He's been as consistent as he's ever been. Uh, his month of February, I think, was the best month he's ever had. That sort of coincided with him signing the extension. Uh, he loves playing with Tyrese Halliburton. I think he's a great representative of the franchise. And he wants to get Pacers basketball back to where it should be. And that should be a, a you know, top contender in the Eastern Conference, uh, winning playoff series, something that this franchise has not done since 2014. So I, I look at the numbers, guys, that he has put up. You know, so many years, you know, you'd look at Miles and he'd have five or six really good games and he'd have three or four games that were not so good. Then he might have eight games that were good than three games. That's not happened this year. I mean, I, I think I had a stat on my stat sheet that like 26 of his last 28 games have been double figures and, and, and really impressive. So I, I just, I know it's probably easy to look at those two guys, 
But but those are the two guys that I think moving forward are going to be huge for this franchise. And uh, I've really enjoyed watching each of them step up in their own way. First of all, Chris, I've seen your stat sheet before. You've got every stat imaginable on there. So I bet you do have that on there. But consistency, I think that has been the biggest difference for Turner. Because, you know, to your point, I mean, also you'd see him, you know, have an eruption for 30 points. And then maybe the next game got in foul trouble, quiet game. And this year he has just been rock steady across the board. I've loved what I've seen from Turner. But going back to your point on Tyrese Halliburton, he took a leap forward this year to be a legitimate, undisputed all-star. But what's the next step that he really needs to work on this offseason to come back even better next year? I mean, I think I think one of the things that this this team has to get better at collectively is defensively, right? I mean, uh, I think they've proven uh, for much of the year that they can score, even though they, they scored, what, 97 the other night against Detroit. I mean, when this team's been at its best, when it had an eight, eight and two run before Tyrese got hurt, they were averaging 120 plus points per game. Uh, they were shooting 50% from the field. I, I think this team won't have problems scoring with Tyrese. I think Tyrese, and he would, he probably would be the first to admit he's got to be a little bit better defensively on ball. I think he does a good job off ball. I mean, that's why he's top six in steals because a lot of times that happens off ball. You know, he's got great size. He's six five, six six. He can get into passing lanes, those types of things. I think for him just to get stronger and get a little bit better defensively, I think that'll be, you know, helpful for his calling card. Um, so I, I would think that would be something that that collectively, you know, he would want to do, you know, from from seeing the game and being unselfish and scoring and being a closer. I mean, I think he checks all the boxes there. I mean, I did the numbers. If you look at uh, games plus or minus three, now clutch is considered plus or minus five in the last five minutes. If you go to plus or minus three in the last five minutes, the top three players individually in clutch this year are Joel Embiid, Luka Doncic, and Tyrese Halliburton. Mm -hmm. So I think he's proven that from a clutch standpoint, he will deliver for you. Um, so I just think it'll be on the defensive end, like everybody on the Pacers needs to get better defensively. I think that would be something that, uh, you know, will be a focal point for him moving forward. Yeah. Cause I was going to say coming into this season, it was more about being more of a scorer and not a facilitator, knowing when to go after your own. And I think he's already taken that step forward this season and knowing when, Hey, I got to put the ball in the basket. It's my job to take over right now. And I think, everyone's following suit with that. So that's, that's really exciting. And then, you know, I, I want to go back a couple of uh, weeks ago to when Kevin Pritchard did his post trade deadline presser, um, because he was on record saying that they did make some phone calls looking to go out, maybe acquire some uh, talent that was out there and try to upgrade the roster. Uh, number one, do you think that's going to continue in the off season in terms of trying to make a big splash? And then number two, how close do you think this team is to, to being back in the playoffs? Well, I, I do think, I mean, it, it, I think, you know, you guys know it all the time. I mean, they have plenty of cap space moving forward. Uh, they're going to have three first round draft picks. Uh, they've got, you know, could have what the 31st pick in the second round. So they potentially, again, could have multiple picks um, through 31. They, what last year they had three when you count Nemhard coming in at 31. Uh, this year they've got their own pick, Cleveland's pick, Boston's pick. So I think they have a lot of collateral to use 
uh, to either move up in the draft or to go after, you know, some veterans that will add to this roster. Um, I think I think we would all admit that this team has exceeded maybe what we thought they would be. Um, you know, early in the year, you know, most people nationally were pegging them to win in the low 20s. And, uh, you know, now they're, uh, you know, at 31. Um, you know, we'll see what happens in the final 13 games where that falls. If it's in the mid 30s, the the high 30s, can they get to 40? Uh, but I, I, I think that has pushed the thought process a little faster, in my opinion, of what they would like to do. Um, and so I, I do think they'll be very aggressive uh, because I think they understand that, you know, they've got some exciting young players uh, that are looking to win and you want to put them in the best position possible. I, I think the coaching staff has done a really good job. It's been fun to watch Rick Carlisle teach. I think he's got a, a great uh, assistant coaching staff. Uh, he really empowers them. You can see uh, I, I'm, it, it's a huge benefit for us to be back on the road because we're around the coaches, we're around the team. Uh, we've been invited to a lot of team gatherings. And, and you see the bond that this group has built. And you know that next year there will be some different faces. I mean, it happens every year. It's not the same team that comes back. But you're hopeful that as changes are made, that that bond uh, stays consistent. Because, uh, And I think, it, to, be, to be honest, it starts with a guy like Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, he, he is somebody that people want to be around. And uh, I think that's important for the franchise moving forward. I love how tight-knit this unit's been. I mean... Even guys that are not maybe playing on a nightly basis have been super engaged, whether it's James Johnson or George Hill or even O'Shea Brissett, who's seen his his uh, role kind of all up and down this year. I think O'Shea's had an awesome positive mentality all throughout the season, but he is someone that is heading towards free agency. You know, where do you see the Pacers and O'Shea, you know, kind of moving, you know, in the future direction together? Any insight on, you know, if we feel that maybe he could be back or not? Obviously, it's up to him. But O'Shea is someone that has just been such a great teammate, someone that I, I love seeing succeed with the Pacers. But obviously, he's one of those faces that is heading towards free agency. Yeah, I mean, that's always a tough, you know, tough for me, too, because you 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 build a relationship. I mean, I, I think back, you know, Doug McDermott was a great guy to be mm -hmm. around. I, I really enjoyed being on the road and talking to him and, it, but but it's part of the business, right? And and it it was his opportunity to move on. The the Pacers were able to make a trade and get some value for Doug. I mean, we'll just, just have to wait and see. But O'Shea's been a great pro. I mean, look at what he did. Look at what he's done in the last week. I mean, he went a long time without playing. Uh, James Johnson went a long time without playing. He went two months without playing in a game. But when they're called on, they're ready to go. That is a tribute not to, just to them as an individual, but it's a tribute to the coaching staff and, and what they've done with these players. I mean, Rick will tell you, he's very honest in how he deals with them. He communicates with them all the time. Coaching staff communicates all the time so that these guys know where they stand, but they also know that they're going to have an opportunity. Um, and when you get that opportunity, you need to be ready. So we'll just have to wait and see. But, you know, O'Shea has been one of those guys that, you know, when they, they brought him in three years ago, I mean, Right now, the the three longest tenured Pacers, of course, are are Miles Turner in his eighth year, T.J. McConnell, and O'Shea Brissett. Mm. And so, there's only three guys that are back from from that team that coach Nate that was coached by Nate Bjorkren. 
So that tells you how rosters can change over time. Now, I think the Pacers are in a position, though, now with a number of these young players and, and who are the core, that you'll see more of these guys moving forward with the roster. Yeah, that's crazy to think about how much roster changeover we've had. And, you know, if, if O'Shea's not back next year, I think that puts Chris Duarte as the, the third longest tenured yeah. pacer, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, it'd be, it, it would be Duarte and Isaiah Jackson. Yep. Yeah. I mean, next year. <laughs> and that's that's just wild to think about because like we're talking about you know not wanting to break this group up and you know there's going to be new faces but man we've seen a lot of change over in the last the last year or so but I, I gotta ask you this because we know that the Pacers have been on the road for a little bit now uh I think that the next five of the next six are on the road as well Chris so this team's not been as successful on the road as they have been at home but how much do you think this road trip matters the, the next little stretch here in terms of making a, a push for the play-in yeah, I mean, if you look at the schedule, it's you know Thursday night with Milwaukee. They got the best record in the East. They're twenty-three and three, I think, over their last twenty-six. They've got some injuries. I've already seen Grayson Allen is out. Um, he won't play, but but Giannis is not on the list. I, I'm assuming that they will roll out. You know who they have. I think uh, I think Brooke Lopez is uh, listed as questionable, uh, but they're trying to hold on to the number one seed, right? Because if you're the number one seed and Boston and Philly are two and three, then you only have to play one of those. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're two or three, you've got to play one and then maybe play the number one seed in the Eastern Conference Finals. So all of these games are important for them. Then you go to next week. Uh, you have Charlotte. I mean, they're a team that's well out of it, but they're always worrisome to me, especially uh, down in Charlotte. Then you go to Toronto. Toronto's playing really well. And then to me, guys, you have a crazy back-to-back. -back. You have Boston and Atlanta. You know, Boston's trying to get the number one. They're not going to be too happy with how the Pacers had them down by 30 uh, back earlier in the year in December at TD Garden. And then it's a 7 o'clock tip on that Friday in Boston. Then the Pacers play at 5 o'clock in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. That's a 22-hour turnaround from tip to tip. So, uh, it, it, that's going to be as difficult of a road trip as the Pacers have had. I mean, you look back at uh, the road trip that they went three and one and they lost, ironically, to the worst team. Uh, they lost to San Antonio, but they had beaten Orlando. They beat Dallas. They beat Chicago. I th think on paper, because of who you're playing, especially with Boston as a playoff team, uh, Toronto and Atlanta are play-in teams. And to me, it, it's always difficult to win in Charlotte. I think it I think it can be a very difficult road trip and we'll just have to see how the Pacers are health wise uh, going into that four game road trip. You know, just touching on that Milwaukee game real quick. I, I looked at it. The Pacers have lost 10 straight to Milwaukee, have not beat them since pre-pandemic February of 2020. So it has been quite some time. So I know that that's a tough one. And that might be a game where the Pacers might want to get a little bit more rested. But kind of unrelated to the schedule, you know, one player that we didn't really get to talk about much kind of this year was Kendall Brown. Kendall Brown shut down. I think the Pacers had maybe hopes that towards the back end of the year he would have gotten some time to develop. Obviously, injuries played a factor in that. What have you maybe heard behind the scenes of Kendall along his development around this past season? You know, if perhaps there's something that we could look forward to from him in the future. Well, you know, he's just a really, really young player. And so what's unfortunate for him is by getting hurt, you know, maybe he would have had an opportunity with the Pacers. But all along, 
he would have also been in Fort Wayne playing with the Mad Ants. So uh, you know, those are just things that you go through that you have to deal with. I mean, I think he's he's definitely a player that they like. I mean, he you know he showed he showed some ability early in the year. I mean, think back to the Golden State game that Nemhart had the 31 points and 13 rebounds. Pacers did not have Halliburton, did not have Turner. They were playing Trevel and Queen, and Kendall Brown was getting, you know, pretty big minutes off the bench. So you were intrigued by what you saw from him, and I think this summer will be important for him. I don't know his rehab schedule, um, you know, after having the surgery and at what point he'll be, you know, back out on the floor, but I would think this summer will be important, and and hopefully he would have a chance to play in summer league again as well uh, so that he can get ready for next season. Yeah, that'll be that'll be good for him because he is on that two way deal, and you know nothing is guaranteed. We thought Dwayne Washington would probably be a staple of yep. this team moving forward, and then we saw him get cut for for a roster move to go after DeAndre Aiden in the offseason. So you know, wishing nothing but the best for Kendall because I do like the upside there. But Chris, obviously, this is like one of the best times of the year because we're approaching the NCAA tournament, and I'm sure everyone's got their brackets filled out by now. If not, you're slacking. But uh, I'm curious. I don't know where you want to start, but maybe give me some uh, upsets you got early on and maybe your final four in your bracket. I definitely have a College of Charleston upset. I so mean, do I. I'm with you. I, uh, I'll tell you what, um, their coach <laughs> uh, was a player at Xavier when I was the voice of Butler and uh, Pat Kelsey. Uh, he's sort of in that Skip Prosser tree. You know, Skip was the – uh, the late Skip Prosser was the coach at Xavier, then was the coach at Wake Forest. Um, I just love the way they play. Uh, you know, it's a it's a small school. It's a mid-major, but they have a great venue in downtown Charleston. Uh, the campus is right there downtown. And he has just brought a high level of energy. So I think I have them going to the Sweet 16. I, I mean, um, so I'm a big I'm a big College of Charleston guy. Um, a lot of points. I'd almost have to get my um, – I'm, I'm pulling my phone up here because I did it. I'm trying to get my bracket out. Well, Fachi, you said you had Charleston as well. What's your reasoning behind uh, I, that? I just said Charleston uh, winning in the first round because they can score a lot of points. They were one yeah. of the teams yeah. that I believe is averaging around 80 points per game, which college, that is a lot. Plus, this is also a team that I believe they were 26-3. and three. So they've been good all season, and yeah. sometimes you want to stick with the teams that are hot at the right time. Thirty-one and, I, I think and three. Thirty-one. I want to see them. I want to see the matchup: Charleston against Virginia, because Virginia Tony Bennett wants to play in the fifties, and Pat Kelsey <laughs> wants to play in the eighties, and that's why I have Charleston beating Virginia and going to the Sweet Sixteen to play Alabama. I like it. I like. I it. also have Creighton. Uh, in honor of Doug McDermott, I have Creighton advancing to the Elite Eight. Same here. I got Creighton in my okay. Elite Eight as well. To play Alabama. Um, in the Elite Eight in the East, I love the Boilers. I have so many friends that, that are in and around the Boiler, uh, the Purdue program. But my Elite Eight in the East is Duke and Marquette. I really like Shaka Smart as well. Um, but I have Duke winning that. I have Alabama uh, I have Alabama coming out of the East. I have Duke coming or Alabama out of the South, Duke out of the East. Um, I have Houston and Xavier. I mean, yeah. I am really going with sort of my old school relationships. 
Yeah. So I have Houston and Xavier out of the Midwest with Houston winning, but I do have Penn State and Micah Shrewsbury going to the Sweet 16. So, um, <laughs> and then in the West, I have Connecticut and Gonzaga, and I have Gonzaga going to the Final Four. So, Chris, let oh, me I cut like you it. off here. I have I have seven of the same eight that you have. For oh, my wow. Elite eight. The only wow. one that's different is I don't have Xavier. Okay. I've actually got an upset. I got Texas A&M making it to okay. yeah. the Elite Eight. I think they're a sleeper team. And yeah. I actually have Iowa State beating Xavier. As do I. Uh, me and Fachi were talking about that a couple of days ago, and I, I was back and forth on that, but I did lock it in with Iowa but I, I, Iowa State, but I do have UConn and Gonzaga as well, and I actually yeah. have Houston beating Alabama in the championship. I don't know what your championship game is, but that's what I've got. I have Duke Gonzaga. Okay. And I'm, I'm going. John Shire wins a national championship <laughs> as a wow. rookie head coach at Duke. I mean, just a slap in the face to Coach K. I mean, I love it. <laughs> well, he was a part of that team at Lucas Oil Stadium that knocked off my Butler Bulldogs in the national championship game, remember? That's right. I was on that team. That's right. I forgot um, about that. I, I should I should not root for Duke to win, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I just – and it's, it's crazy because I filled out like in four different um, – you know, my brother has a, a bracket contest. I did the same one every time. I mean, really? Years okay. where I've been different, I've done different ones, and I said, you know what? I just rather have one bracket. That way, I know exactly, you know, what I have. Mm -hmm. I did three, and then I, I made one for my wife and her work leagues, and that's that's where I had Charleston beating UVA, and I was trying to explain it to her, and she was like, "Why do I have a 12th seed going this far?" And I was like. Babe, just trust me over here. Yeah. So yeah, I kind of experimented on her bracket where it's yeah. not mine, but yeah. that is something that I've had in mind. I do have um I have Creighton beating Baylor, but I was a little bit hesitant on Duke. I have them going down a little bit early. So I had Tennessee taking them out, not in love with it, but uh my other one I did have them, you know, Duke beating Tennessee. But for the most part, I have Alabama winning in two of them. I have Houston going to the national championship as well. So I got a few Alabama versus Houston. I do have Purdue going up against Kansas in one of them in the national championship with Purdue winning it all. Alex, an IU guy was very against that. Uh, me I just know. said I just think they're 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 a they're a number one seed that I think is very beatable. Yep. We've be. seen the we've seen the formula to beat them. I'm worried about their guard play. For the six games in a row. I mean, that's yeah. just where I'm at. I like Zach Eady. I think he's going to be dominant. But I just feel like the way that Duke is playing now, and I think Seth Greensburg uh, said this, they're playing like a one seed, and he's right. Yeah. I mean, they've won a ton of basketball games of late. They just won their tournament. And, you know, you can make the same argument for Texas because they just won the Big 12. But I just never trust Texas in the in the tournament. I, I don't know what it is. They always make me nervous. So that's why I went with the upset with Texas A&M. But you know, this is this is tough. And like you guys are talking about with your 12 seeds, I, I like a lot of the 12 seeds this year. I think actually you can make the case for every one of them. Uh probably, I mean, besides besides the uh the, the Duke one, but even that one, I think it'd be an interesting matchup. Duke versus Oral Roberts. Yeah. That's an interesting game. I actually have Drake beating Miami yeah. in round one. And I think that VCU can beat St. Mary's. So Good. that's the I only reason I yeah. have VCU. I, I couldn't I, pick I three twelves. <laughs> I tr uh, toyed with Drake in Miami, and ultimately I went with Miami. Mm -hmm. um, I, what? Here's the thing. What will IU fans do 
if Kelvin Sampson wins at Houston. I mean, that's just going to be – that'll be a nightmare. I know. My dad was telling me today, he's like, well, I think IU's going to come ready to beat Houston because – of Kelvin Sampson and how he did him dirty. I said, well, I said, you have to realize, I don't think these players really care about that that much. Right. Maybe right. maybe Mike Woodson and the, uh, the athletic director care, but I don't think the players really have any emotional attachment to this. Yeah, I mean, most of those players were, uh, if they were born, they were like two or three when it <laughs> happened, right? I got a question for you guys. Where are you at with Providence and Kentucky in round one? Because that's one I'm split on. I have Kentucky as of now. But they haven't had tournament success in quite a few years now. No, I think – let's see. I got to find it. I think I went with Providence. Yeah, I have Providence well, in the Sweet Oh, no, 16. I didn't. On this, I went with – why I did this. Changes. I went with Kentucky, but then I Full had time. Kentucky getting beat by Kansas State. Yeah. Yes, so that's what I have right now. I have Kentucky winning in round one. I don't feel great about it, but I have them going down to Kansas State. Yeah, I have Providence in my Sweet 16, Fachi. I have them winning two games. I think they've played they play pretty well this year. Mm-hmm. And Kansas State, they're kind of a, a feel-good story. Obviously, a team that was projected, I think, to be the worst team yep. in the Big 12. And they've been able to kind of make that work for them. Obviously, getting a three-seed's a big deal. So I, I just like Providence. I think they're always a, a fun, interesting team in the tournament. And for me, I think a team that's actually going to be a sleeper team is Utah State. I have them beating Arizona in the round of 32 to get to the Sweet 16 to face Creighton. I, I think that that's a team to keep an eye on as well. Um, it, it's kind of funny. I filled my bracket out, and then I think it was yesterday, Joe Lenardi, uh, all his videos were released on the ESPN Tournament Challenge, and I was like kind of blown away by how we had the exact same Final Four when I went back and listened. I said, you know what? This guy predicted 66 of the 68 teams to make it. I'm just going to leave it as is. <laughs> No, it's uh, – I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you know, looking at it, you you know there's going to be upsets, and it's mm-hmm. just hard to predict, I mean, where they're going to be. You don't mm-hmm. want to force them. And that's always the thing is you every now and then you try and force an upset to say, well, there's got to be someone's going to go on a Cinderella run. But how do you predict a team like St. Peter's going on the run that they did last year? Right. It just feels like you can't even make it up. No, no. I mean, it's – I mean, in, in, in a one – you know, in a win or else situation, you just don't know who's going to have a bad shooting night, who's going to get in foul trouble. I mean, that that's the biggest thing with like Purdue. I mean, you you know, if you're a Boilermaker fan, you just don't want to see Zach Eady somehow in one game get in foul trouble, and that changes the whole way that they play. I mean, I'm with you. I can't wait to see their guards as they mature. I mean, I'm a Westfield High School graduate, so to have Braden Smith represent the state as the Mr. Basketball is phenomenal, and I think he's going to have a great career at Purdue. But you do wonder with those two freshman guards, you know, at what point, you know, will they have a problem? You hope not because uh, I think they're both talented, but but you just have to wait and see. Hey, it's one thing to keep an eye on because I know you have Duke going far. They're running into an Oral Roberts team that has a lot of seniors on that team, and they they went on a run a couple of years ago, 2021. So that's the thing is this is where those rare teams that can keep their seniors or their group together, when you're facing a team that has a lot of freshmen, that's where the experience really comes into play. So just something to keep an eye on, and that's what March Madness is all about. Was We saw Richmond, which had a lot of fifth-year seniors last year, take down Iowa in round one. Don't remind me. And, and that broke my bracket. It shattered yeah. it right away. I mean, who is going to be – I mean, are we going to have a VCU, a George Mason, a Loyola, Butler, 
I mean, you know, think back over the last 10 to 12 years, I mean, you've had some significant mid-majors make a deep push, uh, mm-hmm. you know, into this week's 16 Elite Eight and Final Four. And it, it feels like it feels like it's as wide open. I, I mean, I say this about the NBA as well. I mean, I think the NBA playoffs, who's going to win is as wide open as we've seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think college basketball this year is is much the same. Yeah, it just it really, you know, adds a lot of fun into it when you, it just doesn't feel like there's a team of years ago when Kentucky was, I think, undefeated going there. Maybe they had one loss going into March Madness, and it looked like they were the team to beat. This year, I feel like there's there's not that one team that everyone's saying, oh, my God, they're, they're going to take it home. Like I'm higher on some teams than others, but to your point, it's wide open, and that's what makes March Madness just so fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I guess that can wrap up our conversation, Chris. Thanks for staying over a little bit and talking college hoops with us. Obviously, you know, not Pacers related, but there is a lot of prospects in this in this uh, college tournament here. So um, if there's anything else you want to add in terms of like maybe players you're interested in watching just for certain teams, that might be uh, a fun way to close this out. No, I mean, I, I, I'm more into um, you know just the teams themselves. I yeah. mean, just the the brand. I mean, that's uh, having done college basketball for so long at Butler, um, you know, teams like Marquette. I mean, I watched the A-10 championship and I grew up in the Dayton, Ohio area. And I was rooting for the Dayton Flyers, even though it was VCU. I was rooting for Dayton to get back to the NCAA tournament because of, you know, when I was a kid, you know, they were in the tournament. And so I just sort of look at brands. I probably don't know the players as well as I knew them five years ago. Um, when I look at the college rosters, I tend to gravitate more to the teams. And then once the season is over and we get closer to the NBA draft, that's when I start looking at, okay, this guy, he was really good for this team. You know, where does he fit uh, from an NBA standpoint? Uh, but uh, I'll be, you know, we're, we're taping this on, on Wednesday, uh, game day Thursday. I will definitely have college basketball on in my hotel room as I'm prepping for uh, the night's game with the Bucks. Awesome. My last question for you, diehard West Virginia Mountaineer. What do you got? Round one, first game, West Virginia versus Maryland. Who's your pick? All right. I have to go to this. You're... <laughs> no, I got to figure out, okay, what what I got to go to the region. They're, they're playing Ala- re- Alabama region. Yep. Oh, they're in the south. Okay. Uh, Maryland, West Virginia. I'm going with the Jalen Smiths. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we'll, we'll talk hey. again when we, we see what happens, but 12, 15, very excited to be kicking it off instead of having like the 10, 10, 30 game at night. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting old out here. So hard to stay up for those, <laughs> but Chris, Really appreciate you coming back on. My wife would kill me if I didn't say that she absolutely oh, loves you. Hey, I got to see you that. twice this year, right? I mean, actually, three it was three times. Three, three times. Once in Indianapolis and twice on the road. Exactly. And that, hey, that's the way I like it. So we're going to be uh, – I think I got one more trip in me. I'm trying to make it at Madison Square Garden last okay. game of the season. So All right. uh, I'm excited. hope I get to run into you again. But okay. Chris, before we sign off, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Yep, you you can find me on Twitter at Kristen Airy. I'm on Instagram a little bit, Kristen Airy. I'm not there as much. Again, my kids tell me, Dad, you got to be on Instagram. I'm just waiting for you on TikTok with the floss yeah, video. Uh, well, yeah. you, hey, I don't know if any of you saw this the uh, um, 
it was it was Lauren from the Atlanta Hawks. She's their sideline. She's their JJ. And she did a TikTok with Dominique and Bob Rathbun. Oh, and no. Rathbun was dancing and all that. And I quickly told JJ that if he tries to do that to Quinn and I, we're shutting him down. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if now, oh, like today that. with my grandson, who's 15 months, oh, yeah. I was dancing around with him. You're not going to see that. <laughs> oh, I love that, man. That's great. No, I mean, obviously, I, I think seeing you and uh, Quinn do that would be legendary. I think that might go viral. Well, I mean, wh- wh- who are the people that posted that uh, video of me flossing from a few years ago? You know, I was at a... That was legendary. That had I, was a, I was at a reading timeout, and, uh, you know, we're with the kids. I didn't even know what flossing was at that point, but apparently I was told I was flossing. And that has reared its, uh, that meme has uh, been out there a number of times. So uh, hopefully whoever's watching this, it doesn't rear its ugly head again. So That used to be someone's uh, Pacers win celebration video. Yes, I remember that. That's right. I, I think we got to bring it back. If you're listening to this and you have that video, please. I want to see the Chris and Harry Floss. But thanks again, Chris, for coming on. We appreciate it. We'll have you on again soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping everything.